Okay, people, I know it's not even December, but we are coming with treats. As promised, it's a special episode of Echo Chamber. And um, yeah, we're coming with something real interesting today, right? We um, are looking at this new documentary that looks at, well, it's family. Right, it's family, it's exploration, it's discovering who we are and the things that make us. Right, so we look at this doc and then we speak to, um, well, the lady who it's basically about and um, her co-director and writer. So this is definitely one not to be missed, especially if you've gone down the Ancestry.com 23andMe rabbit holes, people. So... Let's get it started. Okay, people. So let's start off with a look at the documentary. It is called The Last of the Winthrops. Okay, so AJ hit me up with something really interesting, right? It's a new documentary called The Last of the Winthrops. Now, Winthrop, that's that's a name you hear, right? It's attached to, you know, British history, American history. But, you know, I haven't, like, I've heard the name, there's references to it, but I don't know the history, like the lineage of it all. I mean, on the webs on the um the website for the film, there is like um a family tree, which is pretty um you know what I mean pretty fascinating. Because it gives you um, all these people that are, are connected to the Winthrops. And you're like, wait, what? Really? That's crazy. You know, you know what I mean? There's, there's like actors and just all manner of people. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things which... I think you don't always know, right? But it's um, there's a lot involved. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot involved to it all, which kind of blows your mind a little. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean, just a few, right? So Christopher Reeve, right? Superman is a relative of the Winthrops. You know, John Quincy Adams, Amelia Earhart, Bill Gates, Tom Selleck, Vic Van Dyke, Janis Joplin, Chevy Chase, Edward Snowden, Post Malone, right? T.S. Eliot. It's fascinating. It, it, it really is. You know, when you look at it like that. So this, this documentary, 
It is written and directed by Vivian Winthrop and Adam K. Singer, and Christopher Seawood helped with the writing as well. Okay, so producing it, we've got Adam K. Singer, um, executive producing is Vivian, um, Douglas Blush, associate production is Brianna Bell, and co-production is Sergio Miranda. The music is handled by Shi Rosawa. Um, cinematography is Eduardo Cervello. Um, Sergio Miranda also edits the film. Uh, sound, all of that is Chris Gridley, Ash Sutton, and Tony Villafleur. Uh, visual effects, we've got Gabriel Chase, Alan De La Rosa, James Poirier, and Alexi Trehoff. Um, Jonathan Villages also um, helps with editing. Um, and in the film, we have got, uh, well, obviously, there's Vivian. Winthrop, you know, she's there. Her mother, Claire Winthrop, uh, her best friend, um, Andre Metcalf. Then we've got uh, Bill Beagle, um, David Blackburn, Xavier Gourad de Saint Imat. Um, Cecilia Heritage, Rick Larson, Jason Notto, um, Brian Abella Schellenberg. Um, there's other kind of Winthrop relatives like Bertram Winthrop or Bertram Durand, uh, who it was her father's brother if I remember correctly um, and then we've got the Perez's right so Lillian Perez Weinstein who we first come across then there's Monica Perez uh, Jacques Perez Danny Perez Andrew Perez there's a lot of Perez's so um, yeah the gist of the piece is um, is this. When Reginald Winthrop and his beautiful French-Canadian wife, Claire, had their miracle child, Vivian, they raised her as an heir to the historic Winthrop exceptionalism. Reg could follow the Winthrop heritage down a very prestigious path to the founders of America. However, However, after Reggie's passing, Vivian is compelled to take her own journey down that path and learn everything she can about the Winthrop lineage until an ancestry DNA result sends all her plans into upheaval. Born in the 1580s, John Winthrop was one of the leading figures in founding the Massachusetts Bay Colony 
Winthrop led the first large wave of colonists from England in 1630, and he went on to serve as governor. His writings and vision of the colony as a Puritan city upon a hill dominated New England colonial development, influencing the governments and the religions of neighboring colonies for centuries to come. As for present day descendants, the list ranges from political heavy hitters to pop culture royalty to literature royalty. Um, the late Christopher Reeves was a 10th great grandson and Secretary John Kerry is an eighth great grandson. The Winthrop family tree additionally branches out to pilot Amelia Earhart, Tech Titan, and philanthropist Bill, uh, Bill Gates, icon Dick Van Dyke, iconalist, icon, yeah, iconalist Edward Snowden, Duchess of York Sarah Ferguson, legendary singer-songwriter James Taylor, and multi-award winning rapper Post Malone, which is to say nothing of the towns, buildings, educational institutions, and monuments built and named in honor of the Winthrops. Moving fluidly between past and present through archival footage, private letters, and recordings, the last of the Winthrops follows Vivian Winthrop on a journey she did not plan for across five countries and hundreds of years to find out who she thought she was and, in the end, who she actually is. So, yeah, right? There's a lot there. This is, you know what, what this really reminds me of? It reminds me of Icarus. Now, I look if you now if you haven't seen Icarus, you need to watch Icarus. It's fascinating. It was a documentary about bike racing, Cyc well, cycling, right? I was thinking bike racing. I don't think that's the name, right? Cycling. Um, and there was a guy that wanted to see because you know I think. It was after the Lance Armstrong, um, you know, all of that broke and everything. And then just finding out that basically everyone dopes in cycling. Like, I think the crazy thing about the Lance Armstrong thing is that I, I believe when they went, they stripped him of his medals and were like, well, we're all the next person. I think they had to go to something crazy. Now, I'm, I'm not saying this is exactly correct, but I think it was something like, I don't know, 15th place, 20th place to find someone who had a clean sample, right? Because everyone does it, which, you know, if everyone's doing it, it does kind of seem like, well, fuck it. You know, because when you look at the wear and tear, it's, it's kind of crazy. So this guy, I think it was Brian Fogel, he wanted to kind of see how he would do in this big race one year, and then the next year he would do it again, but on a cocktail of drugs, right, to see what would happen. And the, he, the guy he got to help him 
was the head of the Russian, like you saw the doping agency. And that's when it all broke, right? The, making a documentary about cycling and then it just broke the whole Russian doping, you know what I mean? All of that news, where it was the state governed and it was crazy, right? So it was a, a, a thing, a documentary about one thing and then it just blew up into this big thing. And I know I've spoken about cycling phrases there, but right, this, this film, right, it was this, this lady, she wanted to look into her ancestry, right, kind of discover. So, you know, how far back does the wind props go? Like, who am I connected to? What's the family? You know, because her dad would tell her stories and everything like that. So she wanted to look into it. And then in the midst of all of this, then this big revelation comes. And it, it kind of switches into this other thing, right? So it's fascinating. And uh, like, really as well, this is, it, it, it's a self-discovery kind of situation. I mean, she is, you know, always talking about, and even her, her friend, he was like, oh, you know, she would always talk about being a windfrog, right? And what that means, and she was just like, you know, to be ph a philanthropal, philanthropal, hmm, oh, you know, to, to, to help society in a way, and just all of this stuff. And like, she has this, you know, would have this idea of what it meant. Right, helping people, all of that jazz, right? But then what happens when you kind of discover that maybe you're not actually, you know, completely related to this thing, right? What does that do to you? So there's a lot going on here. And I, I find it interesting because... For me, right, like you, you look at these situations and like there's a lot of times when you hear about someone and like, oh, you know, I'm on my, you know, say 50th birthday, I found out that, you know, I, I was adopted and it just shook my world and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I always looked at it like, why? Right? Why would that do that to you? Because for all the years leading up to that point, you've been loved, right? You've been cared for. You had these close connections. So to find out that maybe your parents weren't your biological, does that really matter when they've done everything for you up to that point, right? Treated you like you were their biological kid? Right? So it was interesting to see and watch someone go through this process, right? Because, you know, she's traveling all over the place, goes to England, right? Because her dad, you know, he, he grew up in France, um, you know, spent many years in France, you know, during the war, right? Which you know, during the occupation and just all of that kind of stuff, right? So he's got, you know, she's got his diaries and 
you know, all the tales he used to tell of, you know, watching the changing of the color and, go, you know, visiting, you know, the Buckingham Palace and just seeing all of these things. So she wanted to experience all of that. Right. And, you know, it kind of starts off with her relocating. Right. Firstly, she she moves in with her mum. Right. She she's, you know, she has a job working in a prison as chief dentist they you know get rid of that role so she changes decides to relocate so she moves in to be close to her mum you know her mum's old she wants to look after her so she yeah, relocates so we have that so there's a lot of these life changes that she's going through and then she decides to um do this whole ancestry explanation. Um, and I was always curious about that because remember, you know, probably what, a decade ago? That's when it suddenly became really big. You know, people were giving these ancestry.com and um, there's another one with a number in the name or something, right? But you know, you were giving these things for Christmas, and it was just like, hey, let's all look into our family tree, and I never really got it, never really got it, but I think that's when, you know, you got these TV shows, right, I think it was Ben Affleck was on one of these shows, and he found out that one of his ancestors was a plantation owner and had slaves, and I think, um, yeah, the word was that he then made them like cut a load of footage because he was he was just like devastated that he's you know that's in the lineage, which is kind of crazy because you know that was generations ago doesn't define who you are, right? But yeah, she decides to do this thing, and that's when. You know, she starts these travels. So she goes to England. So she's going around there, meets Claire. Cecilia Heritage, a lot of genealogists help her along the way. And, um, you know, so she visits, you know, all of these places which are connected to the family, right? Places where the Winthrop's started off, you know, before you know, they, they moved to New England, right? Then she goes to France, you know, to see where, you know, her dad would have grown up and, you know, cousins and all of this jazz grew up. Which, you then learn stuff about that, just that, right? So a place called Pew, P-A-U. And for a moment, it was like the hub of sport, which I've never heard of. Never knew that. So you're learning all of this stuff as, as, as she is discovering all of this stuff. You know, and it's this, oh, you know, she's talking about, oh, I have this, I felt proud. And, you know, she's meeting people from like country clubs who are, where a relative used to frequent and, you know, different things like that, right? Golf club and they're all meeting her and it's also kind of crazy. Like they're all meeting her like she's royalty, 
you know, it's it's fascinating to see what people are attaching to a name. You know, because it's not like they're, they're meeting her and be like, yo, we, we're hearing you're a world-class dentist. Oh, this is incredible. That's great. No, no, no. It's because she's connected to these people from the past, right? Which is interesting, but it's like these are your, aren't your achievements, you know? So, like, but... I think what we see is she's had issues. Isn't she's had issues, right? It's just like, I think growing up a single child and her mum constantly pushing her to be the best and, you know, being like, oh, 100% isn't good enough. You could have done better. And, you know, if it's not perfect, you've got to do it again. So she's kind of lived under this shadow a little bit. So it's you're, you're seeing her kind of, you know, blossom in these situations, right? But then she gets a message that kind of shakes everything. And that's really interesting, right? And I think one of the crazy things about all of that is because, you know, her mum knows she's doing the ancestry thing, right? Her mum knows she's going. So it's like, you kind of think that there's certain conversations that may have been had at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, you'd think it would make sense, but they're not. So there's stuff that so suddenly comes out. And, you know, they're, they're talking to the mum and the mum's like, no comment. And you're thinking, yo, is, are we getting to the bottom of this? Like, how is this going to go? Right? And so this whole story unfolds. Right? And it's just having the, you know, I think it's the Perez's talk about the thing. And it's interesting as well. Right, because there's a moment where, like, I think it's Lillian. She's like, um, oh, I don't know why um, she doesn't seem to accept us. Like, uh, because I, you know, I love her and I think in Ferrara. And her daughter's just like, well, she's grown up differently, right? Different experiences, different interpretations of what love is. So you have to let someone kind of redefine that within themselves you know and then you, and so the ones just like oh, i've never even thought of it like that which is yeah another kind of crazy like there's a lot of things that go on that you just i think you could take for granted right be like well obviously someone would think this way or you know you're just meeting people for the first time you're not gonna be like oh i love you you know what i mean it's fascinating you know, just these discoveries and realizations. And I think, you know, we have her talking to her life coach throughout the documentary. So there's these things that she's coming to terms with, coming to grips with. So it is interesting watching all of this unfold, right? Watching these realizations, these acceptances, 
just all of this, you know? I think one of the biggest things for me, though, was because I think from the poster, I, I, I couldn't really tell, but when you actually see it on screen and see it next to her mum and her dad, and you're just like, I mean, you look different, right? You look different. And at first I was thinking, wow, what, you know, is it Latino? You know what I mean? Like, is it is this a Mexican, South American? Like, what, what could it be? Um, and when you find out, I'd be like, oh, interesting, right? But yeah, I find that fascinating that there was never that, right? That she, she never even thought, hmm, I do look different, right? Or just anyone around her said that thing because, I mean, you know, growing up where I grew up, you know what I mean? Like, really, only motherfuckers would look like me. Right? It, 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 people said shit every fucking day. Right? Every day. So it's very interesting seeing how other people grow up and the different experiences that they have. Like my friend Tash, completely different experience. Completely different experience. You know what I mean? You know, like, she was just like, oh yeah, no, I can get people who like shout racist shit at me every day. You know what I mean? Be like, wait, what? I thought that would happen to everyone. You know what I'm saying? And so it's fascinating finding these things out. And I think, you know, the last of the Winthrops is really interesting. It's a, it's a fascinating story, you know, and we get to see it all unfold. All unfold is Vivian, you know, gets to experience it, and that is a trip. That's a trip. So, I think mean, anyone who likes a good documentary, anyone that is fascinated by ancestry and just, you know, all of these family tree kind of things, I think that you will be really just intrigued by this whole thing, this whole experience. So, yeah. People, Last of the Winthrops, available on all your favorite VODs. So if this sounds like your kind of thing, if you may have gone through a similar experience, right? Or thinking of looking into your family tree, this could very well be something for you. AJ does it again. Okay, people, so now we've done that, it's time to get into this really fascinating conversation. I, you know what I mean? Hey, and if there's any doubt about what this is, it's hooked up by the one and only AJ Furman, right? So you know it's going to be golden. Um, and yeah, I had the pleasure of talking with, as I said, the, the young lady, this was all about Vivian Winthrop. Right. Um, and Vivian, you know what I mean? The fact that she decided to tell this story, go into just all of this upheaval and just emotional turbulence is incredible. And she's real, you know what I mean? She's so eloquent about just describing her feelings. And she's joined by Adam K. Singer, 
who, um, yeah, helped to bring this all to life. And we explored their connection and just, man, every, this is so interesting. I was so, um, yeah, blessed to have these two come join. So, um, people, let's get into it. Um, yeah, let's, let's get into this um, fantastic conversation with the one Vivian Winthrop and Adam K. Singer. <laughs> yes, people. So, as promised, AJ hit me up and was like, do you want to cover this new documentary, The Last of the Winthrop's? So I've taken a look at the film, and now I am pleased to be joined by Vivian Winthrop and Adam K. Singer. So um, they co-directed and co-wrote the piece. So um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for uh, stopping by and um, yeah, getting into this with me. Oh, thank you for having us. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> Our first interview. We did have a Q&A actually uh, a week or so ago when we when we released the film theatrically here in LA and that was a good icebreaker, right? It was. Uh, yeah. So what's, what's this, you know, experience been like so far for you guys? Well, Vivian, I mean... I mean, this has been a big journey, a, a big kind of um, change of life for, for Vivian. So, you know, I can kind of hand it over to her right now and then I can kind of get into sort of, you know, my um, my experience uh, after. Well, that that sounds like a good way to start. So, yeah, Vivian, why did you decide to document all of this right put it onto the screen but the whole world i know right i'm generally <laughs> i know i'm generally pretty private so this was a you know complete turnaround for me <laughs> um i just remember it was a couple years after i found out about my my uh, new family that i thought there's this this is so crazy only in a movie would you see this kind of story and then the light bulb went on, like, hmm, movie? No, I'm not ready to do a movie, but, you know, at least a book. And um, so I have um, in my new family, there's um, my third cousin. His name is Laurent. And uh, he was sort of the tie between what I understood. So my, my dad was a Shakespearean actor. So I understood that. And, but I didn't understand my new family as the origin. It's completely new and different. Um, so I texted him a lot and <laughs> poor guy must have thought this girl's crazy. <laughs> so finally, when I decided, well, I should probably, you know, write this down while it's fresh and um, I want to make a book. And he's like, well, I know just the perfect person, uh, my cousin, Adam. Um, so that's where it all started. And so I said, okay. So I called Adam and, and he's like, wow, what a great story. Um, you should make a documentary. I'm like what? <laughs> There's, um, that's a big leap. And then, so I'll let Adam take over from here. Yeah. So yeah, when, when I, when I got, you know, Vivian got in touch and, you know, we, 
uh, were introduced. Um, you know, she, you know, had it was it was a very emotional um, um, introduction because there was just a lot that she wanted to talk about. Um, she didn't really know exactly how to go about um, navigating uh, the, the, the world of storytelling because she came from, you know, by trade, she was a dentist and worked in that, in that world for, for her, most of her career. And so this was a huge, you know, endeavor for her. And of course, you know, um, I listened to kind of the whole, the whole story and, and we, we met in person, there was a lot of back and forth. And of course, you know, I can tell that, you know, she was um, just kind of a little apprehensive how to, how to do it and, and scared. But I think the the fear of the whole thing was really intrigued her of, of wanting to use this, a platform to, 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 to heal really. So by making a movie, there was an opera, a vehicle for her to heal, to heal from, from kind of what, um, what had happened, this, this revelation, this discovery that she had of, of this new family. And, and so, um, I understood exactly what she really wanted to do. And of course, you know, the next steps was really to make a documentary. Um, and, but there were like, you know, there was like three months where she was going to work with me and develop it a little bit and kind of feel it out and then kind of go from there. Um, but of course I was kind of, you know, encouraging her to, to really take a leap of faith and jump in and, and do it because, you know, it was, she was going through it. It was real time. Um, she had obviously a very kind of, um, loving relationship with her mother, but also a relationship that, you know, was, um, needed some, some, some work. And I figured, well, the best, you know, way to do this and to, you know, if, if you're open to it was to kind of, to tell, start telling the story now and just jump into it because it was all, it was all happening. It was right there. Um, but she had told me what was really interesting um, when we were first starting out, she was like, you know, I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins and um, he's like really important with my self-development and kind of, kind of really helped me kind of overcome a lot of things. And, you know, I, I really would want you to come and join me in, in this um, one of the seminars he was having in Los Angeles, there was a huge conference at the at conference at the other convention center with 15,000 people. And, and I was always, always interested in checking out Tony Robbins to begin with. So I was open to it and I was just like, sure, let's do it. You know? And, and she said, well, there was one thing that I really want to do. And I said, what's that? She says, well, I've always kind of chickened out in the past and I'm determined to do it, but I want to have to do the firewalk. Uh, and I was like, firewalk. I'm like, what am I getting into here? And she said, well, you have to walk on these hot coals. And I was like, okay, that's, uh, that, that intrigues me. Cause I was part of me was like, that's crazy. Um, like I'll just burn my feet and all this kind of stuff. And, and that will be a disaster and we'll never make never make this documentary. Right. <laughs> so, um, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm in to do this. And, you know, maybe we can film a little bit of it, of it. Of it. So I, we brought the, the RDP at the time that we were going to use. And anyway, we get to Tony Robbins and I've never been through this before in my life. And I'll try to expedite this commerce, this, this whole story. So 
one thing I learned at Tony Robbins is that there is like this energy that they, they really live by. And it's like energy that you're not used to in your daily life. So part of it feels weird when you walk into the, you know, walk into something like this. And um, there's a lot of high fiving. There's a lot of these things that are happening that you're kind of like kind of taken back, feels a little bit awkward. And so, you know, people are very rah, rah, rah. And once you get into the convention center, into this whole big scene, there's this like high energy music playing, like clubhouse type of music where you're like, whoa, this is this is intense, you know, and the music's very loud. So when Tony gets on, you know, people are pretty like pumped up, ready to go. And um, one, one thing I didn't know about Tony Robbins um, is he's a hypnotist, but he's a certified <laughs> hypnotist. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. So when, when I started to kind of read up on what was going on and who Tony Robbins really was, you know, I was like, oh, this is all sort of interesting. And I, I still kind of was like, just kept in the back of my head that he was a hypnotist. So he gets in the convention center, everyone's like jacked up and ready just to like, you know, take this, take this energy in and change their life and all these kinds of things. But he does tell you at the beginning of this, when he gets going, that at the end of the day, at midnight, there's going to be a firewalk. And I was, you know, that really kind of, it makes, gives you a little anxiety. And so... Um, I'm taking in the entire day and I'm, I'm learning all the things that he's doing. He's, there's a lot of repeat exercises that are happening and you're following it and you're repeating it. And it's kind of like almost putting you in a bit of a trance. Little do you know that he's doing that. Um, and your energy's starting to build up and you're starting to fill your vessel. This is what I remember. And, um, by the end of the night, um, you know, I'm like on the time Tony Robbins bandwagon. I'm like Tony Robbins. Like, I mean, now I get what this guy's all about. This is, this is crazy. Like the energy was insane by the end of the day, but mm. he teaches you, he gives you a mantra at the end of the day. And he says, you follow this mantra. When you go into the firewalk, nothing will happen to you, but you have to commit to it. And you have to say it when you go to the firewalk, do these steps and I was like, all right, do I trust this guy? Because, you know, I'm, I could get burned and I don't want to get burned and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, well, this is the, this is a, the big learning lesson here. There's like a big trust factor. So if I trust this guy and I do the mantra, um, I'm, I'm, he's guaranteeing me that, that I won't get burned. So I decide to trust him. Because, of course, I've got trust issues and I've like, you know, who am I mean, I can't, you know, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I finally realized I got to trust this guy. And Vivian, of course, was like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And she's psyching herself up. I'm like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I was like, we're, we're doing this together. Like, it's kind of, we're in, me and you, we're doing this. And I was like pumped up. And Vivian was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. She was very, like, so excited, but very, very scared. And she's like, I can't believe we're doing this together. And she was just, she was excited. So we get there, it's midnight. I think everyone's tired, but there's so much energy going, going on. We couldn't film it off for obvious reasons. And everyone's kind of noodled together and all these coals are laid out and it's like complete fire. And I'm like, this is insane. I mean, it's like, it's like a barbecue that you have to walk over, okay? And Vivian's like, you're going first. <laughs> yes. Right. Of course, I'm going to go first because, you know, if anyone's going to go down, it's me, not her. 
<laughs> so we get up there and I'm like, I'm, I'm literally like brainwashed myself with the mantra because that's, I know that if I do that, nothing's going to, you know, I'm, in, I'm unstoppable. Nothing's going to happen to me. So I get up there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm next. And Vivian's right behind me and she's touching me. She's poking me, whatever. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like I was like, I was, I was, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm, I can do this. The mantra, we're going, boom. I go, Vivian, she's like, do it. We're going to do it. And boom, mantra. And I went for it. About maybe 10 yards, maybe less. And I get through it. I don't, he says, don't look down whenever you would do not look down. And I did the mantra and I got through it. No burns. And I was celebrating. I was like, yes, I was high-fiving people. It was the most incredible experience of my life. But you don't realize, like, it's just mind over matter. You know what I mean? It's just like, it was, it was like, I, I was like, that's, that was easy. And then Vivian went, and Vivian, maybe you want to maybe kind of share your story. But. Go ahead. You're doing great. Because I think I just, it was one big giant blur, <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> she did it. I think you mentioned she might have like looked down for like a split second. She got maybe a look, a little tiny little, I don't even think she, oh, my big much, yeah, much of a burn, but so we did it. We did it. And she says, Oh my God, we hugged each other. And um, it was very exciting. And I think at that point she realized she was going to jump in and take the leap of faith and do this documentary. And I think that was kind of like the launching pad yeah. to uh, make this documentary because emotionally, I think for Vivian, um, and she can kind of tell you for herself that um, it was going to be a very uh, emotional experience for her. And I mean, doing a documentary, you're bearing her soul to the world. And, um, and that's a scary thing to do. And um, you have to, you, in order to make a successful documentary, you have to be vulnerable. And I thought Vivian was in the right place. It's just a matter of her trusting herself more than anyone that she could actually do this. Uh, and of course, trusting me and the crew. And, uh, and I, I, I'll, the last thing I'll say here is that we had two incredible other um, guys that worked with us, the sound production sound mixer um, and our DP. And it was just three of us. Um, but this, this documentary, we brought so much production value because we had these guys were so talented that we made it look big. And like, as it was this complete cinematic experience with the photography, as you saw, and then this guy, um, Ash Sutton, who was the production sound guy, really started wearing all these different hats and um, pretty much kind of saved the production, I think. I think this guy really kind of, you know, was there for Vivian emotionally and really kind of helped her in, way, in ways I, was, I wasn't capable of doing. And so anyway, that's, that was the beginning of it. And Eduardo, of course, the DP was incredible. It was impossible to do three weeks every day with no help, um, two cameras, a drone, traveling, downloading footage, you know, maybe two hours of sleep a day um, was extremely, extremely difficult emotionally, mentally to get through that. And, and anyway, we, we did it together. So. And we did. It was so incredible. And you know what I got out of the whole Tony Robbins thing is what you focus on expands. And, and the trust that, you know, that Adam and I built together. And it really is carried us this far. And we have a movie, we have a mm. documentary. And um, thank you. Yeah, you know what this felt like when watching it? Have you seen, I 
think it's Brian Fogel, Icarus. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's great. I actually know, I know Brian. Um, I actually know him. Yeah. yeah. Because I remember when he was, because it was just meant to be a documentary about this cycling race and whether, you know, he'll, he'll get this difference doing it on drugs to doing it the year before completely clean. And then in the midst of it all, the whole Russian national doping scandal broke just because of this documentary and with your one it was then suddenly you're looking at your family tree and then all of a sudden found new family and, and it felt like a similar kind of crazy experience and journey that you know you went on like what was that like when you know you you first realized that yeah you you know you had this other family out there you know, the first three days were, I can't even describe, I, I felt like I just woke up out of uh, a cult, I guess. The cult of reality had changed. I, you know, everything I believed about myself is completely different. And I didn't know what to believe. I didn't know how to feel. And I miss my dad so much because he had already passed away. And you know, it felt like I'd lost him all over again. So for those three days, I, I just, just cried and, you know, I, I, and I didn't know who to talk to. And so on day three, I ended up like, well, I can't really talk to my mom cause she's going through hell. You know, my cousins, you know, it's don't really, you know, they, they sort of could understand, but it wasn't, you know, it's hard to explain to somebody that what you once thought you were and your whole identity just takes a complete <laughs> turnaround. So I ended up calling my new sister, Lillian. And I just said to her, I said, you know, I, you know, I was crying. And she's like, but honey, why are you crying? You have this whole new family. We love you. We've been searching for you. And it changed everything. Interesting. Right. There's, I think it was probably like a decade ago, Right, that the whole ancestry kind of thing kind of just took off. Everyone's like looking into it. It's like, you know, Me 23, I think, is one of the other big ones. And, and you know, people looking into their family tree, right? Yeah. So it's just, you see a lot of people do this kind of stuff and then be like, oh, I, now I know that my relatives did this, and oh, that, that I understand why I do this thing. And you kind of, you think to yourself, really? Like, really? Like, surely you know who you are, right? So it's interesting seeing someone kind of go through this thing and just being able to see all the different stages right, that acceptance, that fear, that unknowing, you know, stepping into this new kind of existence. Like, was it, you know, did, once you spoke to Lillian, like, how long was it before you kind of then felt like you were back on solid ground? Oh gosh, what a great question. You know, there are days now where I'm still working through some of the feelings. 
but I have a family now that, that loves and supports me. You know, there are times when I'm like, Oh, you know, I wish I'd asked my mom about this or gosh, I wish my dad was alive so I could ask him about that. Or and it turns out my biological uh, father, um, he passed away also. So I never got to meet him. So it would have been amazing to, to, to meet him. But my sister said, Hey, it wasn't meant to be. And, you know, don't spend any time worrying about it. And so, and so it comes back to that, you know, what I focus on expands. So if I focus on all the amazing, incredible love and, you know, discovery of who I am and, you know, then that's what expands. So the understanding, the, you know, just, it, it's, I'm still on a journey. And so part of what I'm hoping to explore for the next film, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Okay. <laughs> New film. Okay. The sequence. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. <sighs> but, you know, one th there's a couple of things that at the beginning you kind of that kind of comes across, right? That you being on this kind of journey of kind of self-discovery, you know, like your job got made null and void. So now you're like, you know, that, that was kind of who I was, you know, the job title, the doing this thing every day, you know, and I think that's, I think a lot of people got kind of affected by that by during lockdown, right? Not going into work and not, you know, maybe losing their job. So there was that. But then also, it really felt like, you know, this love for your father, right? That this connection with your father, right? So when all of this was going on, because, you know, yeah. Sorry, I don't know how to fix this. My blood is beeping. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's all good. But, because like you, you've had this so much love for your father, right? So when you found out that maybe he's not your biological father, why was that maybe shaken slightly? I was shaken a lot. Um, you know, every, I say that in, in the movie, but it's really, it's every decision I ever made was, as my dad's daughter, as, you know, as the historical um, legacy that he brought. And so I didn't know to be anybody else. And so it was, you know, my foundation was really shaken. Um, I didn't understand so much. So it took, it took a while to be able to wrap my head around this whole concept and to see what's true or not. Um, but the more I delved in the better I was able to say well who am I and to kind of you know, so the cool thing now it's been several years now so the cool thing is that I'm like oh well I like this so this is me and I'm choosing me now mm. yeah because it definitely felt like you there was a lot put on the Winthrop name. Yeah. But the actual, you know, the love that your dad had for you. 
right? Like, was that not like an anchor? You know, that, that this thing that, you know, because the fact that he's not your biological father, he still, he was still there, right? Oh, yeah. Still there doing these things, showing you all of this love and listening to those recordings was crazy. That was just, you know, just these messages and the warmth that you felt from those messages. So, like, with everything that's going on, you know, I mean, just like, you know, I, I can definitely understand the, you know, the ground like moving underneath you and just thinking, where's my foundation? But was that not an anchor for you? That there's still, there was that love. There was definitely that love for you, you yeah. know? And, you know, maybe like every kid, you know, took it for granted. And I just wish I had told him, like, how much I appreciate him. And, you know, one time, a long time ago, I'll always remember this. I, he was sitting in, in his bedroom and, you know, he he'd started kind of failing um, physically. And, you know, I said, Dad, I love you. I love you. And he's like, well, you better. <laughs> And, you know, I, I didn't understand that. I'm like, well, of course I love you, you know, but I didn't understand what that really meant. Like, you know, all the time and effort he put into me. And, you know, if I <laughs> wish I would have known, you know, he'd always tell us, you know, tell me, well, tell the truth, you know, so important. So I guess I figure, well, might as well just blurt out my whole life now. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> that one's for you Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other thing that seemed really just um interesting was the fact that your mum knew you're going you were doing this ancestry thing so like it would and it just seems like surely she must have thought that this may have come up. Oh, she fought it too. And, and I didn't understand at the time, you know, I, I did the ancestry, you know, several years before and had left it open. And like I said, normally I'm, I'm pretty private, so I don't usually leave these type of things open. And, and, you know, over the years, nothing came of it. And I, then I started asking mom for, well, you know, give me your DNA. Come on, let's link it up and see, you know, what we have and let's, find out about, you know, all this family. And so she wouldn't do it for a year. <laughs> so uh, now I understand why. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Finally, she, she acquiesced. <laughs> <laughs> My poor mommy. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, because we, we, we get to see, like, you know, you asking those questions, um, and I guess that's your voice we're hearing, Adam. You know, what I mean, like, and but you know, there's so, there's so many moments where she's just like, no, no, not talking, like, cut, you know, and like, what was that like? You know, because you you're doing this thing, this story, like, you you know where it's going, but then you know, she's this pivotal part, but you know, there's this hesitance kind of answer questions and like, you know, let this information out. Like, what did you think may happen with this whole project? 
you talking to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that Vivian was answering. <laughs> that was all yours. It was when you were asking mom about Armand and she, you know, she didn't want to talk. About yeah. So, you know, just to give you a little context on that, um, that part of the film, that, that interview, actually, um, I, I said to Vivian, you know, it's, it's, first of all, it's, it's really difficult um, to direct a film. I was working with, you know, Vivian and I were directing together, but to, to direct your own story. I mean, that's really challenging. And then of course, to interview your own mother. So I knew that, you know, cause I'd been through the process before I, I, I told Vivian, I said, listen, I think it's best if you leave the house for like an hour or two or whatever, I'll, I'll let you know when it's done. Because I thought, um, you knowing, you know, the dynamics of the, of the relationship that um, she probably would have gotten maybe, I don't know, it just, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked, I think. So it was, so, so Vivian was like, no problem. So she left the house. It was hard. What's that? Oh, it was so hard. Yeah. She left the house. And of course, you know, allowed me to be there with her mother. And, and of I, I figured, well, maybe I can kind of open up some, some doors here with the mom and, and which I did. And I, I was, I, I thought like, it was like, maybe like sometimes in a documentary, it's like, you get that one opportunity and to, to, to get that interview with someone that really doesn't want to be on camera, that really doesn't want to be, you know, filmed, especially about this to open up about, you know, kind of what had happened. Um, and, and so I, I kind of went for it and it took, took us some time to kind of get there, but she, you know, started opening up more and more. And then finally I had to hit her with some questions that I knew she probably wouldn't want to answer, but you kind of have to say it anyway, because that's, that was the, like a pivotal point in the story, in this whole journey that if we didn't get that, if we didn't address it, it's like, well, kind of how do we, how are we going to really sort of tell the story? You need to kind of, there needs to be some conflict, you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, of course I asked her about, you know, her relationship with Armand and, you know, she wasn't comfortable opening up about that. And sometimes when you don't want to say anything, it's sometimes enough. So the fact that she says, you know, that's it cut or whatever, you know what, that's all we needed because it, that's sometimes saying nothing means so much more. And, um, and, and of course the, the whole, yeah, anyway, is that, I mean, answer your question a little bit, sort of kind of what happened there. Yeah. 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 No, that, that, that's cool. Because, you know, at the end of the film, we then get the other moment with, um, Vivian and your mom and, and the video call and everything like that. So there's bits where you think, oh, are we going to find out about this? And like, where, and so we do get the answers. It does. All yeah come out but it's like it's very interesting in you know how it does and like the revelations about your dad in Paris and going through having as a boy going through the room and just that whole thing it was just like what like and you know my mom she she agreed to do the documentary because she did it for my dad and she you know, wanted to honor him and let her know how much she, you know, loved him. And so, so when she's explaining, you know, what my dad had to go through, 
you know, she really felt his pain. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things definitely come across, you know, and the, the way it does unfold, right. The, the, the things that we learn you kind of think, yeah, a lot of relationships go through those situations, you mm-hmm. know, so it's a bit like you can see how it could happen. Right. And, and then with the other stuff you learn, you'd be like, well, it's, kind of the only way that you, you would be here you know so it's a bit like well you know what I mean like things ha- happen for a reason well one of the the greatest things that actually came of it is you know so focused on myself like what I went through my feelings oh, I'm the victim here oh, uh, uh. and you know <laughs> so and one day I woke up and like my mom is really struggling you know and it it took a while and I feel so bad because, you know, it, it took me, you know, it took me a while to, to be able to talk to her. And, and she, you know, it was hard for her. She's, she's not, you know, super open. And, and, you know, the decision she made is so courageous to, to be on film and to support me. And I'm going to cry. Oops. Sorry. Uh, no, it's all good. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't going to cry. Where's the Kleenex? <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's clearly this was like this really emotional journey for you, you know? And so, yeah, crying is just a natural thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, no, I I, just to add to what Vivian's saying about, you know, her mom. And I I think I think sometimes in life um, it takes us a lifetime to release things that you've been holding on to for so long that could get us sick, you know, like, uh, like we don't realize like, Oh, it's, I might, I'm getting old. My cells are, you know, degenerating. And then these, these, all these things that can get me sick, but really it's kind of the stress and the anger and the, the regret and all these things that kind of build up in you that I think really um, ended up, I don't, you know, making Vivian's mom um, probably more um, unhealthy than she probably could have been. You know what I mean? Like, um, well, she had rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. yeah, she, I mean, there were things happening, but I think that the film, and I really believe this, um, at the end, that I think she, there was a lot of release that happened. I think talking about it and kind of, you know, hacking away at it with her and showing up and filming or showing up to help Vivian with with some stuff at home that we were working on, documents that we had to put together and organize, photos we had to go through, and just being around the mom and getting to know her and building that relationship. Um, there were moments when I was just with her mom where, you know, I, um, you know, she would ask me my opinion on something, you know, of how to deal with something that she had to deal with Vivian on and she would just ask me. So you can tell like she was starting to open up. She was starting to trust me. And I think by the end, me and her, you know, we started, she was playing music. She wanted me to listen to her music at the end. We started to dance a little bit. And, you know, this is when I was going to get a bunch of photos for the film. And she was, we were like dancing to, to some music. She had, you know, she was a classical trained pianist and, you know, I listened to some of her stuff and, 
and she at the end she was i think starting to let go finally you know what i mean like be free and 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 um and accept the whole situation you know because i think she was she at the end at the end of her life she was okay with everything she mm -hmm. was okay I mean, had another family that she was going to go and be with because there was a lot of guilt there for Vivian. It's just like, imagine being in a situation where, you know, um, that Vivian was in where she had a, another family, but she didn't want to leave her mom behind because, you know, um, she thought maybe she'd forget about her or, you know, maybe there would, it just would kind of disrupt the whole chemistry of their relationship. And, and so there was just a lot of kind of, um, juggling with emotionally juggling everything, the two families. But one thing that I learned though about the mom is that she, she embraced it all at the end. And I, and that was great to see. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's this weight that we can carry at times. Yeah. And it's not until you start having certain conversations and just really opening up that you can yeah. see yourself all that. Well, my dad would always say, you know, we all have a cross to bear. And I told my dad one time, I said, you know, it doesn't have to be a mahogany cross, you know, let's make it a feather cross. <laughs> so, you know, there comes a point where, you know, it's time to, to delve in and, and go through it. And on the other side, there's peace. Mm. No, for sure. Definitely. Now, one thing that I, yeah, I kind of wondered as well, right? Because when you see you with your mom and your dad you do look a little different <laughs> I, know, I never I, thought I looked different <laughs> it's curious that you never or, well not that you never really asked the question but no one said anything right because you know no. <laughs> where I grew up right back you know back in the 80s there was no black people in the area you know what I'm saying? So it's like you go to school and it's just just all white people. I've got a couple of Indian people, a Chinese person, Korean, a couple of black people. That was it. And so people would always, you know, you get questions like, oh, don't you wish you were white? And, you know, then the racist stuff. And just like people always saying things. So it's interesting that, yeah, you, you grew up in a situation like no one posed anything to you like oh you look different to your mom and dad or you know anything like that it, it's kind of yeah it's curious well there's, yeah oh, I'm sorry <laughs> there's there was times when I would ask her how come I'm so short because they were tall and so oh it's just you know that's you know just you know, there were some shorter people in the in the family I'm like okay and then um you know I did ask her gosh I have to think about that. And I know I asked her a couple other questions and she's like, oh yeah, I asked her because, um, you know, I, I, I did have a, you know, darker complexion and, and I thought, well, maybe there's like, you know, so she said there was a, there's, um, you know, somebody who was Native American, um, well, actually it was Canadian. So a, a Native Canadian um, was in the family many generations ago. And so, and that's where we got the olive skin or olive complexion um but you know they're like okay i bought it i bought it you know hook line and sinker i i totally did <laughs> so. um, well i mean there is yeah there is that in a lot of family trees you know and and you do see like some slightly different complexions and things like that so if you ask a question and someone says oh it's because 
yeah i mean i can, can definitely see how you'd be like oh okay that's that's it cool. well you know my my dad um he would sing old man river and it was his song he felt every word of it and so you know i sort of grew up with this i don't know i think he really helped to expose me to different cultures and the pain of of existence and you know my dad felt a lot and so you know i think one of the things that maybe have made me more colorblind i don't know but was that everybody goes through stuff and it was i don't know it's a part of his legacy to me mm. yeah yeah, like I said, those recordings were just crazy. Like, it kind of reminds I think it's like Alfred Hitchcock. When you hear, like, those recordings, like, oh, hello, everybody. Today we're going to... And it's just, like, that refined, you know what I mean? Like, when you think of what a, a proper, like, gentleman is, mm-hmm. like, it's that kind of voice that you have in your head. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just... Yes, it's true really interesting yeah it, what an amazing kind of a baritone kind of voice like it was just perfect mm. yeah and you actually have those recordings right because i think that kind of thing is always fascinating because yeah like there's hardly any pictures you know what i mean of me growing up or just anything like that but then you see some there's like videos and there's pictures and there's you know audio and so it's always fascinating seeing you know how different families document things mm-hmm. it must be, it must feel really just great to have all of that stuff oh thank goodness because i tell you he would love to be here uh, he would just love you know he'd tell you stories he would you know oh my gosh <laughs> he so he's here you know he's here with me and so is mom and so it's it's good it's gonna be okay Mm, yeah. So, like, once you, you know, started this whole process and, you know, all of these emotions started to come out, like, what was the real kind of fault? Did you think, like, why did I do this? Like, I mean, what have I done? Like, how am I going to get through to the other side? Like, what, what was that instantaneous kind of fault process? I think that Adam probably can answer that one better because he saw me go through so much of it. And and just when I would be ready to give up, another person came. I swear this, this film's been like his divine inspiration. Just and so many times I wanted to give up. And so many times Adam found somebody who was just perfect, who came into my life and gave me like I have so many mentors and so many beautiful friends and 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 we got to this point, you know, so there's faith and perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, I think what's really important making a documentary is you build, you build a a team that, that, you know, is going to bring a lot of value to the project. And that's not just like with their vision, but just uh, them as a person you know, and kind of, uh, I think what I've learned working in documentary film is the community is extremely supportive. 
And it's like people understand, you know, like making a documentary is a heavy lift, uh, not just like physically, like heavy, like like an emotionally heavy lift. It takes it's it's a labor of love, you know. And in some cases, you can make a lot of money. In some cases, you just don't. Most of the time, you know, we're at least now we're entering entering this sort of golden age of documentary film, you know, where you know everyone's in the documentary game. Everyone's looking for the next best story and. Mm. You know, and and so I think, you know, in this situation, you know, luckily we were able to build a really good team of supportive um, filmmakers and editors and composers. I mean, we had just an incredible team that were very supportive of Vivian, very understood, um, could relate to her story, not just, you know, uh, just as someone that was coming in to do a job, but just someone that could under, understand her emotionally and, um, and, and, and kind of tap into the, this, this whole world somehow was, we're able, we were all able to tap in somehow, you know, I think that's what you do. You end up tapping into this sort of world and the energy and mm-hmm. things happen, you know what I mean? Things just happen, you know, and that's what, that's, that's the um, unpredictability of, of working in the, in the documentary world, stories just organically unfold and, things that you don't know is that are going to happen happen you know and and you get them on camera so it's like it's such a weird world to work in you know because you just don't know what's going to happen sometimes so and i want to give a shout out to you know doug blush because he's the one that said well why aren't you using your dad's tapes um and so he changed this whole documentary to make it so personal and then then bringing in christopher seward Oh my goodness. Um, such an incredible visionary. Um, and at first, you know, the film was really about my dad. I just wanted to make a film to thank him for raising me. And he's like, uh, no, uh, this has to be about you. And I'm like, no, no, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, um, so it's been a big, you know, journey for me too to open up and to, you know, but, Adam has been so supportive and incredible, incredible producer and co-director and writer and, you know, friend. So, and then his family, you know, his family and his wife and, you know, just incredible, the support that, you know, she's given this project as well. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is done with a very small team. And um, I think one of the things that you, do when you go through something like this where it's independently you know financed and you know produced and all those things um is that it becomes a family and family and friends experience you know where you're starting to pull in friends and family and some of those friends and families are are that are even not in the entertainment industry have these fresh eyes to really you know look at something to understand as an audience like you know how does that sit with you you know what's your take on this or whatever it is. So there was a lot of people that helped us kind of along the way to really kind of shape the story. And the glue, the glue that really has held us together is Sergio Miranda. He's our, he's our editor. Yeah. Um, yeah. The editor, our, our editor really is, uh, was, is a Zen master Buddhist monk. He doesn't even know it. Exactly. But you have to have extreme, extreme patience to deal with, um, a story like this with someone like Vivian who is so close to it and, and 
you know, obviously um, hypersensitive to, to kind of what was kind of happening, unfolding in her life at the same time. It's it's hard to do, to be so close creatively and to be so emotionally involved. It's uh, for an editor to, to really handle it the way he did was, was um, unbelievable. He went into my head and just took the things out that I couldn't even speak, you know, but I would try and explain. And, and then he'd be like, Oh yeah, this is blah, blah, this is what you mean. This is what you mean. I'm like, oh my god, you're incredible, so incredible, you know. And also, like, you know, he organized and and put everything together. So our graphic artists, oh my god, uh, Alexi Teroff and and Alan De La Rosa, just fantastic, phenomenal people. You know, just all of everybody just that has come and there's all these people I wanted to mention today. So, um, but they're incredible. <laughs> they, they helped, you know, they helped weave this amazing story and not to mention my brother and sisters. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think we, talked, yeah, I don't think we talked enough about this incredible other side to Vivian's family, this Moroccan Jewish Moroccan French Jewish Moroccan family that she is now a part of. Yeah, like, what has that experience been? You know, like, because I think at the beginning, you talk about being an only child, right? And I think your, your friend Andre, do, like, mentions it, you know? And mm -hmm. then suddenly, you're not. Yeah. Right? You, you've got brothers, you've got, like, it's freaking huge extended family, you know? And it's it's really, like, when we see all of that it's really interesting because like Lillian's just like oh you know we love her and I don't know why she might think anything different and blah, blah, blah. but it's her daughter that says that real profound thing of just like well she might not know love in this way right it is which was just like this simple thing just this little simple thing. But I think it's just like, sometimes I think we look at things being like, well, that's how I see life. So everyone should see life like that, right? But it's not until one person makes this one comment that you're like, I've never looked at it like that before. You know, so yeah. How long was it before you could experience love in the way that, you know, this crazy, huge extended family was showing it to you? You know, I, at the beginning, I, I didn't know how to be a sister. I didn't know how to be an auntie, you know, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And, you know, sometimes I kind of retreat on the inside and then it takes all the courage to come back out, you know, so it's, um, I, I'm learning and I'm learning to, you know, say what I feel and to listen to how others feel. And, you know, it's a, you know, it's a big big family. Everybody has a lot of opinions and, and it's cool, <laughs> you know, but under all of that is this, they have this love that I can't even begin to explain. You know, it's, it's incredible to be loved, to accept, to be loved. It's, um, and even though it's like, I, it's been, you know, years now, but sometimes I still work on it. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be loved. It's okay. Hmm. That I mean, yeah. It's. 
I think when you're used to doing things in a certain way, right, you become accustomed to this thing. So you build up these mechanisms for coping and dealing and just getting through life. So when someone, you know, and there's, we get these full starts, right? People come into your life and you put your trust in them and then they let you down or they don't quite live up to that expectation that you have. And it's not until then this pure thing, this purity finally like surfaces that then you're like, whoa, what, what is this? You know, it's like, I, I was recently just really ill and like, I've been seeing this girl, like, you know, just everything changed this year. This has been a crazy year. And I started seeing this girl at the beginning of the year. And like early on, you know, I just felt like, man, there's this connection. Like, I really want to get to know this girl. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we've just been doing a lot of different stuff and, you know, went away recently. But yeah, I got really ill. And then she was just like, I'm coming over. I'm taking care of you this week. And she came over and I was just like, I don't understand. Like, what is happening here? You know what I mean? I, 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 just, I just gave him a was like, why are you here? Like, what, what are you doing? Like, why would you want to do this? And she's just like, you need to be taken care of. And I was just like, I just broke down. And I was just like, I, I, like what, what's, what's going on? You know, so it's just like, yeah, just... When someone shows you that thing, it's a weird. It's weird to be like, "Wait, what do I do now? Like, how do I process this?" So I can imagine, you know, what I mean, like what you've been going through with all of this stuff. That's been really cool. You know, it, it wasn't until, you know, we had the movie put together, but it wasn't until. Adam found Shy, and he found he found Shy Rosoff, our, our composer. We found it, you know, through through Catherine, who's been such a support for our film. And but it wasn't until you know I, I come from a musical family. You know, my mom's a pianist, and you know, my dad with his voice and thing, mm. and you know, and, and music. You know, for a long time, I just walked around like I was closed. You know, just in because you know sometimes family stuff keeps you closed. And when Shai's music, you know, and he, he found this voice within me that I didn't even know had been closed. And so, you know, hearing the music that he put together has, you know, that was part of the healing process. You know, he, um, he found a voice I didn't know I had because I had closed it off. And now you know, I would say, well, you know, this and, and that we want this, you know, in, in this moment. And, and, and the stuff that came out of him <laughs> is incredible. You know, what an incredible composer. Mm, no, the, the score was, yeah, the score really works. And yeah. ending it with that poem. That was that my Yes. <laughs> you know I mean, that just seems like the perfect way to end. It seems like the perfect way. And it's just, yeah, just all these emotions that you have on this, you, you know, watching you go on this journey and then we end like that. It's just like, whew. <laughs> you know, hearing those words, and I know my dad says them in French, but it's poem is about loving. And those, and it's only in the French language, really, in, in that 
the, the meanings are so deep and so profound. And to hear my dad say that, I feel so loved every time I listen to the film. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely can imagine that. I mean, Adam, right? Because you, you are part of this big extended family, right? You can, so what, like, you know, Vivian growing up feeling she's an only child, but you being in this extended fact, like, what was that like for you? Like your experiences being part of a big family and then seeing someone who, you know, feels like they're, you know, on this island on their own kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, Vivian's um, Moroccan side of the family, um, I don't know what the family line is, but yeah, my cousin's father, I think has some connection over there. Um, but funny enough, yeah, my um, my mom's side of the family, they're all French Jewish Moroccans. So yeah, Vivian and I have that side of our families that are the same. And uh, so I understood that. I understood, you know, the whole, cause I'm, I'm Jewish and, and of course, that's part of who Vivian is and, and having these French Moroccan Jews that are on our dad's side. I mean, listen, you know, the, the, the French Moroccan Jewish people are the most loving, passionate people that you can find on, on this planet. They're hot blooded, fiery, um, very family type of people. They, they love everyone. They would they would give anyone a meal off the street. It's they're all about love thy neighbor. The, the French Moroccan Sephardic Jews are very much like that. Um, and Vivian's so lucky to have that part of, side to her family because I know just from my own experience what my my mother's side of the family are. They're the very very passionate, good, warm, loving people. And I think um, Vivian just kind of you know, stepped into a pot of gold when, when that happened, knowing that these people are French Moroccan Jews. I mean, it's like, you don't want to piss them off because they'll cut your throat. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the same time, they will love you. They will take their shirt off for you and they will, you know, protect you and make sure that, you know, nothing will ever happen to you. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll open up their arms to you no matter what with unconditional love. And I, I see, I, I see that with Vivian's family. They've really opened up their arms to them and they really welcomed her in. And it was beautiful to see that. She's mm. very lucky. She's very lucky. Yeah. And I grew up Catholic. So it's like such a different, you know, putting the pieces together of, you know, who I am, who I choose to be now. It's pretty cool. Mm. Now, what, like to you, because you know, you, you you said it's it's like this experience now of like learning to be an aunt, learning to be a a sister. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, what is being a sister? What is being an aunt? Right? Because I think like family, you kind of feel like it can be so different. You know, it can be these people that you don't really connect with, or it can just be this huge friendship you know what I mean like you can have family with friends you can you know what I mean so what does sister and aunthood what does that mean 
to you? You know, I wish I had the answer. I'm still discovering that. That's that's what I'm working on now because, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know yet. You know, they, they put up with my questions, which is amazing. You know, Lillian will let me text her like, well, what about this? And what is a sister do for that? And, you know, it's, it's I'm in process with that. <laughs> you know and i can't wait to spend you know more time with them because they're they're all far away i'm i'm in arizona and they're far away so i'm looking forward to spending time with them okay like is it because you know it seems like you had a, a really close friendship with andre so is it kind of similar to that you know in your head kind of you know building that sort of connection with these people well, with Andre, I've known him for like 33 years. So, you know, so definitely he's probably the most stable relationship I have. And so I can always, you know, like ask him what he thinks. And, and he grew up with, you know, they're all boys in his family. So he has no concept of <laughs> women, uh, you know, he's, so, you know, if I talk football, we're good. <laughs> Ah, so will like is this you know this new journey of learning to you know exist in a family is this the the kind of blueprint for part two well that's definitely part of it it's definitely part of it it's um yeah you know how do you end up healing in a you know, with people you need to build relationships with and, you know, and it goes back to, you know, what I focus on expands. I want to focus on family. I want to focus on, you know, finding all the pieces to be grateful for, you know, it's, it's a, you know, I want to find out what does it mean to be, um, you know, what is the whole history? Like, you know, I mean, I, I knew nothing about Jewish history, Jewish anything, so I, I learned two words so far and I've got to learn the language and, you know, so part of the future is figuring out what those roots are. Mm. Oh, so you're really gonna, you know what I mean? You're really throwing yourself into that aspect of it all as well. I want to, I want to, I feel like I'm ready. You know, I have a real stable foundation with my dad and my mom now, you know, I feel, I feel complete in that area and now I have the foundation now to feel secure and exploring this new part of me uh, interesting now now the documentary is done Adam do you feel going documentary to book right was, was that the best way to go like what do you think this would have been like if it was a book you know what I mean yeah, I mean, you always want to do it the other way around, right? You want like the IP to be based on a book and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is always a good thing. Um, but Vivian had a set of journals that she really was uh, determined to turn that into, you know, a book. And and that's really kind of what inspired her to make this. Um, but yeah, the other... It, Tom Vicky. To do, do it this way now, right. This lady Taunt Vicky was an important part of her father's life growing up. 
have these war journals, but which were, I think you saw in the, in the movie, but the, the do it this way um, is interesting because now she's got all this, all, all this information that she didn't have before mm. where she can now pour into sort of a, a spinoff on the film. It doesn't have to be like the film. Cause if it's like the film, it's like, what's the purpose of, you know, writing the book, you know what I mean? You already know what happens. Yeah. Um, she spins this off into a book that, with all the information she has, she has now that could be interesting because that could lead you to the sequel. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? It yeah. could be written out of what everything she's sort of knows with family and how she's feeling, how, what happens to someone that finds a family, how do they sort of, how can they get sort of acclimated into, into the, into this new family? What are the what dynamics like? And, um, and where do you go from here? You know what I mean? Uh, religiously, spiritually, you know, um, love, all these things. And and so I think it's a good sort of launching pad to write a book for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It just seems like there's so much fertile ground with all of this that you could do so many different things. Yeah. And there's so many people that it turns out that they have similar experiences that was a surprise and so it's you know when i showed the film and you know went to the film festivals and you know people came up to me and they had similar experiences you know not not like mine but like theirs and mm-hmm. and that is fascinating because you know just being able to have a place maybe where people can can share or talk or you know, having, you know, there's these beautiful um, Facebook uh, support pages. There's, you know, there's a lot of, of um, opportunity for healing. And I know that I've used the film to help myself, you know, to heal and to be a, you know, more in touch with, with who I am and to find, you know, to find myself. And it's, um, I'm still on the journey, but yeah, writing the book is definitely part of what I, need to do to continue man it it, it is yeah it is such a fascinating thing and it must be you know having that experience right people connect with you and be like oh yeah i've had a kind of similar experience and that it must kind of there's i guess at the beginning of this there is always that question of who's want to watch it right how many people will like gravitate to this because i think you know and as you said look there's, there's so many documentaries now and different places where people can view and consume these stories which is great but now with all that choice right and just think of how many different freaking streaming platforms there are now it's this kind of crazy so it's just like, with all that choice, why will people gravitate to a certain story? So the fact that people are must feel pretty huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a very competitive marketplace. And, you know, every streamer is looking for that headline story. You know what I mean? Like, you know, how big is it in the news? You know what I mean? Can it take down the the Russian government, you know what I mean? Like you see in Icarus, I mean, how impactful can it be? 
you know, worldwide, like, or just in, in somewhere just in time, how, how impactful can a film be? And I think, you know, when you get past the clutter and for this film, we had to do some of our own promotion and marketing. And I think Vivian's really committed to that and putting it that the film out there. And the fact that she's taken this leap of faith and into doing that um, is now giving the film an opportunity to be on a podcast like yourselves and being in the de in deadline or, um, you know, having it exposed now to the world where people are starting to, to resonate with a story like this, you know what I mean? So it needed a little bump to get out there and um, to get past some of that clutter. And, and so buyers can take notice of it, you know, uh, and, 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 and see what, see what this film is for, for how much you know all the work we put into it and and, and the story itself standing on its own so okay. i think that um yeah i mean it's here we are i mean we've 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 i think we've done everything we can to make the story the best version it could possibly be and and uh yeah our hope is that um you know we'll get a nice audience to come in and 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 see and people could talk about it and hopefully it will pe people talk about it for years to come you know and use it as a, as a sort of a staple film for this kind of movie, uh, you know, this Trevor genealogy type film. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's like it's this human component, right? Someone going on this journey, which is the real compelling kind of part, right? It, it, it's stories like this, I think, that people gravitate to. You know, you have things like Searching for Sugarman, um, and was it three brothers? Like there was that documentary about those three brothers in different parts of the world, and then they find it. It's like these fascinating things that kind of just draw people in. And so this story, you know, and then with all of these elements, like the audio recordings, and then just you, you know, you go coming to England, going to France, like just even the information about Pew, which. I had no clue about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're learning all of this different stuff as well as then just seeing you, you know, just experience all this other stuff. It's just, yeah, I think it's that which will draw people in, right? It's, it's that's the thing that people gravitate to. You know, the, the one hope that I really have, and that was the main reason for doing the film is, you know, now mom and I were able to talk. Imagine just, you know, I, I know I've always had these sort of lofty goals that, you know, can we, you know, talk to each other. But imagine if, you know, somebody in the family starts to talk to somebody and you open those lines of communication and, you know, you, you start in a small place and you start talking on something that you can build a foundation upon. And, you know, if, if somehow somebody will have you know, maybe I, I hope that our film gives somebody the courage to to open up and to talk about, you know, feelings and work through emotions and also not just understand, you know, our own self, but understand the people that that we love and that we care for and, and you know, and build those bridges of understanding. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I think it's stories like this that do help that process, right? There's people what because that's the thing you watch something and then you want to talk to someone about it you're processing it be like yo have you seen this thing and like this happens and then and it's just like oh 
yeah, I recently connected with like this long distance and, you know, it, it's these things open up and, you know, just suddenly it's like this, uh, you know, this crazy domino effect that happens. So, yeah, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I think that's what will happen with this, you know, which, yeah, must definitely feel good. It's a, it's a blessing, like, you know, you know, it's, it's really cool. Thank you for facilitating the ability to, you know, talk together. And so nice to meet you. Now I want to know more about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not as interested as you. <laughs> but no, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. You know, just learning this stuff, like, because, you know, I was adopted, so it's, but it's just like, I, like, even, even from a young age before, you know, knowing, like, I knew, you know what I mean? This is just like, there's, there's no way not knowing, you know what I mean? So it's just, but I always find it interesting, like, different family dynamics and, and how people connect, because it's like, yeah, growing up, like learning that you know you were discarded right and it, so it's just like trying to figure out what love is and what these connections are and you know those those full starts that you make along the way and then you you find it right but it's just like okay but then what do I do how do I navigate this situation you know it, it's always like it's fascinating so when you see you know something like your story and you going through that kind of process and that kind of thing it's it, yeah it's it's compelling right and you kind of look at yourself and the things that you go through and experience and you'll be like oh right yeah i maybe i should do that thing or you know and oh, i could incorporate that into what i do and you know it's just things like that Right. You know, my uh, coach, Karen, from the film, <laughs> so she's my real life coach, um, you know, she often tells me, well, you know, what meaning are you assigning to this? And, and I never realized that I actually had a choice on what meaning to assign to the difficulties I experienced. It's like, oh, well, maybe I can change the meaning. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise or, you know, this has helped me to grow or you know, maybe I can use this to, you know, contribute more. So, yeah, it's been incredible for that. I would have never been able to say anything like this years ago. Mm. Yeah, it, it's funny how things happen at, the, at times that seem like it's the perfect time to be able to, you know, do this thing, right? Because you think, oh, um, how is it? you know, I wish I'd met you like 10 years ago, or if I wish I'd done this at this point, but it's, it's like, if you had done it at that moment, right. would you have been ready? Would you have had all this, the tools? Would you have, you know, been prepared for it at that time? And, you know, I, I want to say, you know, to Adam, because, you know, when you find out that your whole story is different than the story you thought you had, you know, issues, you know, had to work through them. And, you know, the fact that, you know, Adam said, well, hey, you know, your life is happening now. We need to film. Uh, let's make a documentary. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't know. But part of that was, you know, building that trust together and, and 
you know, it's, it's incredible to build that kind of, of relationship to, of, of trust and faith. Um, so thank you, Adam. <clears throat> well, you know, I think everyone is real pleased that you did because yeah, this is just a fascinating story. It's a it's a fascinating story, and I think a lot of people are going to be just moved, compelled, just going through all the emotions with you. You know what I mean? So yeah, like it's a great job. You it was a joy to watch. So thank you for creating it, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking care of our story. Thank you. Hey, I'm just happy AJ hit me up about it. Like AJ, always every time I get, I know to answer that message because I know she's gonna be bringing me something great, and she's just done it again. So and you were in such great hands with AJ. Trust me. Yes, <laughs> definitely. But how can people follow you? You know, keep track of everything that's going on. Like, um, yeah, let's. I think Adam. Yeah, so um, the film is going out into 60 territories worldwide, over 60 territories worldwide. That release is happening on November 11th. Um, you can pre-order the film now by going to our website, www.thelastofthewinthrops.com. Um, you can pre-order it on Vudu or iTunes. Um, if, um, and, or, or you can wait, but yeah, you have an opportunity to pre-order it now on Voodoo or iTunes on our website or just go direct. And then it'll the be available on uh, Amazon prime. Uh, what are some other platforms? And it's going out on Amazon, uh, Google play, Microsoft, Xbox, Hoopla, Vubiquity, um, Plex. Um, and then there is also Tubi and Roku. And in demand. And yeah, and, and Tubi, and I think Fandango now, <clears throat> and um, yeah, and Fandango now. Oh, superb, superb. So people, man, there's no excuse not to watch this. So yeah. yeah, definitely go follow it on all the social media, go to the website, pre-order, do all of those things because you will not be disappointed. And it will, I mean, I think you've got to because it sounds like we're getting a book and a follow-up feature. So this is like, you know what I mean? You want to get on this train right now. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. See you later. Take care. There you go, people. We, um, yeah, come to a close on this special edition of Echo Chamber. And, yeah, how fantastic, right? So, people, right, now you've listened to um, the review, the conversation, and you're thinking, oh, I need to go get. Well, it drops. It's not quite out yet. I'm, I'm giving you the heads up right now. Okay, people, it will be dropping this Friday, right? Friday, the 11th of November. We've got the pre-order links on the webpage. So go check it out, right? Go check it out because you will want to see this documentary. 
you know what I mean? Go follow Vivian, you know what I mean, to find out what she's doing, because it sounds like there's more coming, right, which I cannot wait for. So, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed, and remember, right, you know, ooh, last week, end of last week, wow, it's so easy to lose track of time, right? We had um, a free parter. We looked at um, free films, right? We looked at the fantastic documentary, Duality, a graffiti story, spoke to the great Ryan Dowling, and then Sloke One, aka Nathan Nordstrom, which two incredible conversations. And also on top of that, we looked at James Harding, Ghost in America's Kitchen, and spoke with the fantastic, incredible Chef Ashbel McLevin. So plenty for you to uh, indulge in, people. You know, I mean, go look at past episodes. There's a lot, all right? But Last of the Winthrops, it is out 11th of November. So... Remember to go check that and uh, enjoy, people. We'll see you next time. Peace.